Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Dungeon of Doom. We are within two weeks now of the start of the NFL draft. We are still live as of this recording. I'm Kyle Mikey. This is Ben Raven. We're the Lions beat. I'm live. Ben, how are you uh, holding up here as we head for the stretch run? This has been the week of the offseason where I'm ready for the draft to be here now. And like my brain capacity is at like an all-time low. I'm messing up things in my personal life. I'm forgetting things in my professional life. Just been a sloppy week, but uh, we're alive, as you said, and that's what matters. Well, this is your brain on NFL draft. This is what it looks like. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just become it's whole, like a whole different monster, right? I mean, it's, it's wild. Like even the combine, which is a training session, I guess for the selection of players for the league like this event like leading up to the draft itself gets better primetime tv ratings than the world series i mean it's really insane the amount of interest there is in the draft and it's created this whole like industrial complex right uh, i mean you have full-time draft writers I mean, it's like it's whole, it's a whole beat. And it's crazy, like the, you know, the the number of mock drafts that are out there and the content that just keeps getting fed into this, I don't know, furnace of, of, of draft content. You got to keep it going. And oh, it's exhausting to keep, you know, keeping up. It, the, as you said, Ben, this is the time of year, this last week or two before the draft, where I get really just exasperated sometimes mm. with people throwing shit against the wall seeing what'll stick you know oh hey well we haven't had um malik willis to the lions yet so let's do that and just see what happens i mean i'm just so tired of it i'm so tired of people sending me mock drafts and saying what do you think about this what do you think about this good close personal friend drew mccarthy of brute big Drew and gem sends me one last night what do you think of this mock i said that's that's what i think of every mock right now even my own i'm i'm ready for it to be done i'm ready to get this thing moving because that you said it. it's the the draft machine is out of control. And even from my first year on the beat, it feels like it's more out of control. If we've read everything we're going to read three times over, thought everything we're going to think three times over, and seen mocks and picks change a million times in the top of the order. And it's just fascinating now to see the discussion at pick one teetering off of Hutchinson again, maybe. It's just like ping pong. Yeah. The, our brains are getting ping ponged around, you know, on the local level. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's just. I, I think a great example of what we're talking about, right, is this past week. Mel Kuyper comes out with his latest mock draft, and he has the Lions taking Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. And look, that's a that's a really good player. I think he allowed 155 yards all last season, never allowed a touchdown in his career. Really good player. Could be the first corner off the board, probably a top 10 pick. But 
There's no way he's going to be the number two pick. And even if he were, the Lions aren't going with another DB at pick 32, which is also what Kuiper had. So this, to me, is just a classic example, Ben, of overthinking. Just needing another log to throw on the fire to keep the content machine moving, to get people interested, to keep them interested for another week or two. Because there's no way two years after like making Jeff Okuda the top, you know, the top drafted cornerback in NFL history that the Lions are going to then set the record, like reset their own record when they have so many other needs. And even if they were, which they're not, they're not going to get a safety at the end of the first round too. Not when they need a pass rusher and there's all, all these guys available. It's, it's a classic, like outthinking yourself. The Lions need a pass rusher. You can't go buy them. And even if you, in the rare instances where you can go get a guy, they cost a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. You have to go draft them. And usually like with that position, usually have to drop draft them at the top of the draft. That's usually where it happens where you get your Bosa, your Chase Younger, what have you. And that's what the Lions need. They haven't had that since the last time they spent a top five pick on an edge rusher in Ziggy Ansa. That's probably what they're going to do. I can see the case for a quarterback. I wouldn't do it and don't think they will. But, you know, I, I like it's going to be an edge rusher. It's definitely not going to be a quarterback. <laughs> Detroit, like, they will bring out the pitch first. That one threw me. I was like, this is Mel Kuyper doing this one? And, like, not even that, but he had Kyle Hamilton falling out of the first 10 picks. And it's just, like, unlikeliest scenarios in my head to happen is Sauce Gardner at number two and Kyle Hamilton falling out of the top 10 picks. And that's, and that's after he had Kyle Hamilton going to and number two the last time around. <laughs> it's just and listen, I think it's great. Like I, I think if an analyst does more research on a guy, talks to more people and you can take that information to account and adjust your ranking, that's totally, that's normal and healthy. And that's mm -hmm. what you want from these guys, but you don't want disingenuous debates around, hey, are they going to take Sauce Gardner number yeah. two? But it's simply not going to happen. That that strikes me as I need to get eyeballs on this thing that I'm doing that I just did a week ago as well, but I need to like substantiate why my decision is so dramatically different, even though nothing's happened in the last seven days. Like I can guarantee you, Ben, Kyle Hamilton did not drop nine <laughs> spots on anyone's board after the combine. Nobody's. And if they did, that team is terrible and they don't know what they're doing in the draft. Like, he did run a slow 40 that might, you know, peg him down a spot or two for some teams, but he's still the best safety in the draft. And if someone values that safety in that position of Kyle Hamilton and what he can do as a dual safety enough, they're not going to be bothered by a slower than expected 40 time when he can play fast. But... That doesn't sell, you know, mock drafts when there's a billion mock drafts out there. So that's why you end up with a guy like Mel Kuyper. And I, and I appreciate Mel and what he's done for the business and his legacy in this business. I'm not trying, this is not a diatribe against Mel Kuyper. It's just a specific example of a larger problem that I see with the draft that we're getting to now in this last week or two run up to the draft where there's some real fatigue setting in. And people need to like shake up the paradigm and do something really shocking to move the needle. Yeah, I know. I'm ready for I'm ready for <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And yeah, I'll just add on Mel. I mean, yeah, what he's done for this industry and what he's added and just kind of the depths that he's taken to it, appreciative. But a cornerback at number two, that's just such a yeah. it's just such a no. This no, just absolutely not. You know, it's just I mean, it's, Brad Holmes, if you're listening to this, I know you're not. If you're thinking about taking a cornerback at pick two, just take a quarterback. That's my take. Okay. Well, <laughs> Segwaying into our uh, in our into our uh, episode here today, we're gonna bust out the mailbag. It's been a few weeks since we did that. They're always fun, and I always like to see where people's you know minds are at. I mean, it's fun to answer them too, but even seeing the types of questions that come in, what's on people's mind, I can sometimes glean a lot from that. 
really appreciate it. I love these things that we do. I do them a lot in print pretty much every week, especially throughout the season. Opening it back up in the, in the, in the podcast, which is a lot of fun. It's always a little awkward to say the name. <laughs> Twitter handles, you guys got to like simplify it for me. <laughs> but with that, let's let's jump in. I'm going to go a little out of order because we were just talking about the quarterback thing. So I guess we can probably start there. Okay, so Big Scanner asks, if the team drafts a quarterback, does it likely happen in round one in order to get the extra year on the rookie deal? Given it'll almost certainly be a developmental candidate. What do you think, Ben? I think, yeah, yeah. If, if the quarterback is in play for this year's draft, I would totally understand a mid-round guy. But I think... You're playing the long game here, get that extra fifth year. If you like a guy in the second round or the third round, maybe I am at that 32 pick. You know, overpay for that fifth-year option, especially out of one of those top five guys. I don't think it's going to happen. If it were to happen, I would hope it would be with that fifth-year option, especially with Goff's timeline, especially with the timeline of the roster development here, and especially with this quarterback class. I mean, every single one of these guys feels like they're going to need a little bit to get up to speed. I mean, this is just a home run quarterback class. I mean, and if they're falling on the 32, they're falling the 32 for a reason. But I do think that fifth year option is important. I don't think it's going to happen. But if that is on their minds, I would be shocked if they didn't try to get somebody with that extra year of flexibility on the contract. The fifth year is certainly a variable in this discussion. But to me, the overarching issue at play here is you've already got Jared Goff we know exactly what he is. He's a solid NFL player. You put enough of talent around him. He can go win you some football games. And that's what he is. And you've got two backups as well with experience. So if you go out there and you draft a quarterback, you better be drafting a guy you think has upside to be better than that. Like they, they still have Goff under contract for the next few years. He is expensive. He's becoming less expensive for a quarterback by the day. I mean, these new guys are getting 40 plus million. So he's going to be a bargain here in a year or two. But basically... The Lions are not, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to draft any quarterback unless you think that quarterback is going to be better than Jared Goff within, you know, by 2023. Are you going to find a quarterback like that in the second round and beyond in a quarterback class that's like historically weak at the top? You're not. I mean, you're, I mean, there's, who knows, it could be a Tom Brady in the sixth round. You never really know. Right. But when you look at projections and trying to make the best decision possible in the moment with the information you have, this is a terrible quarterback class that's weak at the top. So I don't think there's going to be a difference maker, certainly somebody who's better than Jerry Goff by 2023, who's going to be available in the second round and beyond. Not in this draft, not with how many teams that need a quarterback who are going to be rolling the dice on a bad quarterback class in round one. I think if the Lions take a quarterback, it's going to be in round one. I don't think it's going to be a pick two. I just think that's too rich for any of these guys. So I guess like to me, the one, and I know they had Kenny Pickett in, or they're going to have Kenny Pickett in in the next few uh, few days. But to me, Malik Willis is the guy. Like he is the one guy I see in this class who could be better than Jared Goff. Two is too high for me to take the, the, the rule of the dice. If he were to fall 10 or 15 or something like that, and you can package 32 with something else and move back up to get him, and he's your guy and you believe in him and you had him at the Senior Bowl and you see what he can do that is coachable and teachable, he fits your system, you can build this organization around him, then go for it. But I just, I don't see the, I don't see the the sense in going for a quarterback later in the draft, but not when you have Jared Goff. So I guess that'll dovetail nicely into this follow-up, uh, Ben. This one comes from Thomas Cody. Thomas asks, don't know if there's a mailbag coming up. <laughs> surprise, surprise, there is. But just confirming that it's insane to think the Lions should take Malik Willis at number two. He seems to have all the measurables. Um, and if they think he has the mental emotional leadership qualities to refine his game should they take him in number two he's not lasting until the Rams pick 
and trading is unpredictable. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. There's there's two quarterbacks I would take in the first round of this year's draft, and it's Malik Willis and it's Desmond Ritter. And I sure the hell wouldn't take Ritter at number two. But I I mean Willis, I, I've said it time and time again. It makes sense. I understand it. I wouldn't do it. I don't expect it to happen. But they've had a lot of time with this kid, as you just outlined there. I mean, if if they think he's got it, if they think he's the guy, I mean, then then make the pick. Then make the pick now. End the talk. You know, give golf that next year. Figure out what Malik Willis is. Mark Brunell's had time with him. The coaching staff's had time with him. They it's just you know i mean the the rocket arm is there the mobility is there i mean it's just questions about that liberty offense and the competition he played and you know there's some real questions about his ability to process and make nfl throws and i know that process word is complicated in these discussions but it's just the dip didn't make many reads i mean it was just it was a very interesting hugh freeze offense <laughs> just i don't think it translates very well to the nfl for short-term success and i mean that's not what you're looking for malik willis but uh, gosh I, ju- I just would not do it i just would not do it but if they're in love with him if they think he's the guy pull the trigger don't wait around the quarterback position is the biggest question mark here long-term thinking wise holding this thing back so if you got an answer get him here get him here if he's your answer yeah i i, I mostly agree i don't have too much to add to that i think he's the the best fit for the lions i just don't think he's a fit for the lions you know i, I just don't think I would roll the dice on this quarterback class if I were Brad Holmes, not with the number of like holes they still have in this roster before they're going to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really still talking about 2023 and beyond. So I, I think probably the safest recourse for the Lions is to continue building off the roster, use the second pick to go, go to go get the best pass rusher who fits what you want to do. There's different types of guys. I think Hutchinson is the guy if he's there. It's a pretty good chance that he won't be. If he's not, there's Jermaine Johnson, who's like a speed bend kind of guy off the edge. There's Trayvon Walker, who's more of a physical, imposing kind of guy who could uh, move inside as well. Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously, who has probably the highest upside measurables at that position in this draft. You know, go don't get fancy. Like, don't outthink yourself. Like, go get a guy who's going to dramatically change your pass rush in a way that we haven't seen a decade in this style. Like, I got just tired of watching... Like, like, no offense to Romeo Okwara because he is a very solid NFL player and he, the Lions are better for having him. But I'm tired of watching guys like that try to carry the pass rush. Like, like you need a game-breaker, and they haven't had that. I mean, Charles Harris is another really good example. He was productive guy last year. You're better for having him. But Charles Harrison, Romeo Okwara, they're, they're good twos. Like, they're great complementary pieces. Your pass rush should be very good with those guys and complementary rules. Those guys should not be your top pass rusher, and that's what the Lions need, and they're in a position to go get it. And I think doing that and bypassing the roll of the dice that's going to happen with no matter which quarterback you take in this draft makes a lot of sense to me. You give Jared Goff another year to show what he can do this year, like like this fast-changing roster to gel together, and then next year you give yourself an opportunity to reset, to evaluate what happened with Goff if you want to go out and get a guy Next year's quarterback class, you still got two first-round picks next year to make it happen. And I think that's the way it's going to be. And I think Malik Willis is really talented. I just think there's so much noise in the projection. There's so much projection happening with that pick. And maybe somebody will get a really good one, but maybe somebody will get Johnny Manziel, you know? Right. And and, that, and that's where you're at. And I think if this has one quick corollary, because I know this has been a long point, but I think Brad Holmes, if you take a quarterback at number two this year, that's the kind of pick that if it doesn't work out, it can break you. Yeah. It can break your tenure. Like, like they, I don't think he has to make that kind of decision this year. He can bypass that, continue to build this thing out, re- reevaluate next year. And you have, if you still have the quarterback need next year, which I think you will, 
It's a better quarterback class. You still got two first-round picks to go get your guy. I think that's where the Lions are at. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I'll just add a quick point on that one. Just I've seen a lot of rationale in the Willis pick at number two is, oh, the Lions might not be picking high enough in next year's draft to get one of those top quarterbacks. Well, guess what? That's that's way too far out to try and project that type of stuff. And guess what? They still have two first-round picks. They got second-round picks. They are loaded to make moves. I mean, look at the quarterback market this offseason for veteran guys or moving up in the draft potentially. I mean, they they are loaded to make moves here in the future. Brad Holmes doesn't need to rush this. I completely agree with you, Ben. Yeah, I, I think patience is the way they're going to go with the quarterback debate. And, and frankly, they like Jared Goff. I think they like Jared Goff more than they should. But I think if you read the tea leaves, right, coming off from Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, all these guys who are talking about the quarterback thing this offseason – they're sending a lot of mixed message. They're, they're talking about how much they love Goff, and I think they do love Goff, but they're also very much leaving the door open for a quarterback. They're very much, very carefully, not committing to Jared Goff long-term. They're not saying he's our franchise guy. He's the guy we're going to build around. And this is a town that had Matthew Stafford for however many years it was. And we heard what it's like when people like Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, I know they weren't here then, but when you hear a GM or a head coach talk about a franchise, a guy like Russell Wilson, a guy like Tom Brady, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, they don't talk about those guys the way the Lions are talking about Jared Goff. Yeah. So I think that, like, they like what they have there. I think they, they like giving him another year to show what he can do because there, there was a lot of synergy and a lot of good play that happened down the stretch last year with Dan Campbell calling the plays, Ben Johnson doing his thing in the passing game. Now that leadership is back, and Ben Johnson taking over the offense himself, obviously, and, and running up the, the passing game. You got Josh Reynolds, you got DJ Chark, you got whatever else is going to come in the, in the draft TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. I think the Lions like running to back out there with Goff for one more year, seeing what he can do definitively, and then making that decision next year. When, as you said, Ben, and I, could, I totally agree with you, they have the ammunition to do what they need to do. So if you see a really good team this year, and you're a quarterback away, they have a they have a bunch of capital next year to make the move. Up. Yeah, do a very similar situation to the Broncos, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Moving, moving on. Let's go with what Simon says right to the program. Hi, Nate. Fun fact, I saved Nate's cat. The story, the story is much more nuanced than that, but let's just go with that. Do you think the Lions try to complete the offense in this draft, or do you see them spending the first three picks on defensive players? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think two of the first three picks are going to be defense. You know, get an edge rusher, get a safety, and I, I would hope that the third is probably a wide receiver, I would hope. You know, that's where my gut is. Uh, I don't think, I think this is the draft to fill out the defense versus the offense, you know? That offense needs some help too, wide and vertically and stuff like that, but Chark on the one-year deal, pieces back and stuff like that, they're going to see how that goes. I still think receivers on the table, absolutely at 32-34, but no, I think this is going to be a defensively focused draft, and I've been fascinated. I think, what was Kenny Pickett, like the first or second pre-draft visit to play offense? I, I, I'm not trying to read into that too much, but I just really see an opportunity to round out Aaron Glenn's defense, round out Aubrey Pleasant's secondary here this team needs another safety to pair with Tracy Walker, Deshaun Elliott on that back end, and whatever Will Harris is. But no, I think this, I think the first day and early second day, it's going to focus on defense. I think, uh, and just to quote Brian Holmes here, I, I think the Lions are going to target, you know, game breakers. And I think that's more likely to happen on defense than offense. And if there's some kind of like tie situation going on between a safety or a corner or, a, or an edge rusher, if you haven't gotten one in number two or a linebacker, when they're sitting at number 32, if they have, a playmaker, one of those positions versus an offensive guy, they're going to take the defensive guy. That, that's where the needs are. But I don't think they're going to reach either. I mean, if their value is saying, hey, we we love this wide receiver. You know, Drake London is there or whatever. Like some guy like that drops and you can see what receivers are getting these days on the open market. You got G DJ Tarek, but it's just a one-year deal. 
Like you got Josh Reynolds, but I think it's a two-year deal. Like you have some long-term needs at that position and you got to set up either Jared Goff or your future quarterback for success. So I think that's a, a need that's valid and you could see them taking it at 32 or 34. But yeah, I think, you know, all things being considered, they're going to target defense. I don't think they're going to be there at 32 or 34 and say, oh, we have to take defense right now. Right. I don't think that's that's the way they think. They're looking for game breakers. They're not going to go out and get two cornerbacks either or whatever. Sorry, but yeah, that's the way I see it breaking down. I just, the way that question's phrased, I don't think that's the way that Brad Holmes thinks of it and this staff will think about it. But I do think ultimately you're going to see two of those three picks come on defense. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. And, and, you know, I think the edge rusher is most likely, especially at number two. Safety is in the discussion. You know, I think there's their, their signing of Deshaun Elliott maybe helps a little bit, but maybe it doesn't change their like long-term outlook at that position. But I, I think they need a linebacker. They need corner help. There's a lot of needs to consider and some good value, I think, at that spot too in the draft to go get it. So speaking of Deshaun Elliott, we can go with the next question from DJF792. With the Deshaun Elliott signing, does this move eliminate the need to pick up a safety in round one? No, not at all. And I think Deshaun Elliott's a really good player. I think he fits well with Tracy Walker. You know, he was, but uh, this guy's been in the league four years. He missed his entire rookie season. He played six games the next season. He played 16 games in 2020 and looked like a really solid coverage piece on that Baltimore defense. And then he played six games last year too. So like, on paper, great signing, but you cannot bank on anything when it comes to Deshaun Elliott. And that's nothing against him. The guy's just had some bad freaking luck. It's been a different injury every single time. It's not like the same thing happened. I think it was like a broken forearm, ruptured pectoral, something like that. A knee injury this past year. So it's just, I mean, he's still 24 years old. It's a one-year deal, but you just can't count on him. He's an on-paper thing that looks really nice right now. Uh, it's just, I, I just don't think it changes anything. You know, if Kyle Hamilton's the guy for them at two, he's still the guy for them at two. I, I'm more in line with 32 or 34 at safety. I, I really like the kid out of Penn State, the Michigan kid, Dax Hill. There's some options there. I, I think I still look at safety as a really big need. I think a game-breaking linebacker would transform this defense a whole heck of a lot more, but I think if they took a safety at 32 or 34, the defense is better for it. Yeah, I'm kind of amused by like how much beat writers are in love with this signing. <laughs> and I've seen other people's stories and on the Twitter and everything as well. I don't know if people are just bored or what, but like, yes. you know, a good, good player, but not like, he, like he, he's a starting caliber player in the NFL of healthy. But that's what he is. He's not better than that. He's also been hurt recently, and he's been signed to a one-year deal. This contract is a good stopgap that gives them more depth, at the very least, going into training. It does not change their outlook in any kind of way at safety. Like, I mean, he's he's a starting caliber player. I think right now with Pencil, him as a starter next to Tracy Walker. And that, that, to me, is an upgrade over Will Harris. So that's where you're at. But again, he's been injured, one-year deal. So you still need another, another body probably for this year and certainly for 2023 and beyond, which again, that's not this when we're talking about them returning to competitiveness. Yeah. So you need a, a, you know, better talent there than what, than what Sean Elliott is. And that's just kind of where I land on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's best case scenario, he's a good bridge. Yeah. 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 Let's do a fun one. I like this question. <laughs> this question comes from uh, Legend JC13. What B writer, then, a B writer, do you foresee being most prominently featured on Hard Knocks? I'm going to dominate background shots. I wear giant bucket hats, Hawaiian shirts, and I'm six foot six, 245 pounds. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb on those. I don't know if I'm going to have like talking scenes or stick out with my personality, but you're going to see me in about 50% of shots for sure. I just. You, you can't miss Ben. If you've never seen him, he looks like that kid from North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. What was his name? Brady Manic. Yeah. Or what? I mean, big white guy. 
big, big blonde hair, yep. big, big beard. And I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Like, I don't know. You, it, it, I don't know. Kind of goofy. Oh, oh, I'm goofy. I know I'm goofy. <laughs> and extremely excitable. There was one time that, I don't know, first year on the beat and we were in the locker room and Deshaun Hand, former Lions offensive lineman, fourth round pick, just like messing with people. And I pulled him aside. I'm like, you know, you really want to mess with somebody? It's like, yeah, man. Yeah. What you got? What you got? I'm like, Deshaun, you see that guy over there? His name's Ben. You should sneak up, you know, sneak around, sneak around the locker room, sneak up behind him and just see what happens. And sure enough, Deshaun Hand sneaks all the way around. He, he like, like tiptoes up behind Ben, like he's a freaking shark or something. And yells in his ear and Ben, you must, must have jumped like two oh. feet, two feet off the ground. It was, it was one of the funniest things that I've seen happen in the locker room. I'm still that jumpy for sure. So I'm walking my little dog two days ago. There's this big dog that comes out of nowhere, scares us. I jump one direction. She jumps one direction and I see like helicopters in the air. So I'm just, I'm jumpy. I'm big. I'm loud. My laugh echoes. I'm going to. You're going to see, you're going to see Ben on your screen. You're going to see, I think you're going to see Dave Burkett as well. Yes. Yeah. Dave is just everywhere. That's the nature of what he does. Dave from free press i mean i think you're gonna get some shots of justin rogers's hair he's got his little like he doesn't like to call it a man bun but you know all he has to do is put the tie up there his hair and then he'd have a man bun that's what he's got going on i'm definitely not cutting my hair or beard until a training camp though so yeah i was just talking to some friends the other day who don't even understand like what hard knocks is really not football people shine explains him and they're like oh so are you like like, what do you like? I forget exactly what the question was, but basically I'm like, my goal in training camp is to not end up on hard knocks because that seems like a nightmare. Like if I do something silly, which we've seen all the time, like back in 2016, when Jared Goff was a rookie, he like just had a brain fart, forgot which direction the sun rises and sets. And it was like, he just got mocked. My goal is to not end up on hard knocks. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll I'll trip and fall down or be clumsy or goofy on camera, but I'm hoping I just don't like swear something stupid into like a hot mic or something yeah. like, oh, that guy sucks. And then it's all over HBO or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have a hard time staying out of the way of shots for sure. It's going to be, training camp's going to be a lot of work. I know. I just dazed. I just lost <laughs> looking out in your window like, oh God, <laughs> thinking about the extra. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. I think it gives, you know, it's going to give behind the scenes perspective that you and I have and the reporters have maybe like 15%, right? Yeah. We get more like uh, background kind of stuff than what the average fan does and helps us do our jobs, be that intermediary between the team and the fans. And it's a cool, it's a cool job. It's a cool thing. And I like it a lot. Hard Knocks will be like five times that, you know, they're going to get access that we never could or would, you know? being in meeting rooms and stuff like that. And it'll be cool. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see that kind of perspective. I think there'll be a great opportunity for the Lions yeah. to help them sell Dan Campbell to the you know football world. And uh, I think they're going to use it as that kind of opportunity. It's it's cool. It's just going to be a lot of work. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. for a long time all day, then we're going to go home and have to watch a TV show and write about it. <laughs> if we're not careful, maybe end up on it. Exactly. Which is... <laughs> okay, got a couple more here. This one's from the Joe Boo uh, with Brad Holmes's draft history and receiver. Could you see them skipping out on one at 32 or 34? A worry that the X receiver market drops off after that and wide receiver is still a huge position of need even after the Turk sighting. It's a good question. I agree with all of it. And just to, I did a little research before we got on the air here. So in Brad Holmes's you know, nearly decade, a decade running 
drafts in LA. So in his first draft in 2013, they spent the eighth overall pick on Tavon Austin. And then they spent draft picks on receivers on the first two days of the draft, just twice more the rest of his run there. Cooper Cup in the third round in 2017 and Jefferson second round in 2020. And that's it. So one first round pick, and that was in his first year. None after that. Just three guys who were taken on the first two days after that. And it's an interesting record, and especially when you compare it to what he did last year in Detroit, right, Ben? Yeah. Like with Ahmad Rossi Brown, it, I mean, it just it kind of stuck to that formula of day three guys. And then they got tremendous value out of Ahmad Rossi Brown. I guess when you look at what the Lions need, though, they don't need another Ahmad Rossi Brown. They don't need more solid role players. Like the questioner asks, they, they need X receivers. They need guys who are going to break the game, playmakers. You don't typically find that in those subsequent rounds. And I, I would really expect, I expect a receiver, if not 32 or 34, then certainly with their next pick. Like that, that that's, that's, it is a deep receiver draft. So I don't, I'm not too hung up on it's got to be 32 or 34. But if the right guy is there, Drake, Drake London's there or Traylon Burks is there, you know, George Pickens from uh, Georgia, I think is a, a guy they would like a lot and that would fit what they want to do. And those guys, you're not going to find them in the third round. So I do think that in this draft, because of where the Lions' needs are, where the receiver market is going, uh, I would definitely expect to see a receiver sooner than day three, which had been kind of Brad Holmes' MO in, in LA. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. I, if, if they skip wide receiver at 32 and 34, I, I don't see them skipping it at that next pick before the end of day two, just because, like you said, like... You you can't wait around forever for a Traylon Burks, for a Drake London, for a Christian Watson, for a George Pickens. Like those guys might fall to the end of day one, day beginning of day two, but they're not going to be there at the end of round three or the beginning of round three, more likely than not. And like you said, they don't need another slot guy. They don't need another speedier slot guy. They they, they got Chark on a one year deal, and they got Reynolds on a two year deal. And Josh Reynolds is solid, but he is still just like let's not get carried away with the Josh Reynolds side. They still need another X receiver for the future, one hundred percent. That history is really interesting, but um, yeah, they're not going to skip receiver. I don't think past that a fourth pick in the draft. I just think that's a premium you got to get for this roster. Yeah, especially with I mean, we see these contracts. Guys are getting nineties. You know, you don't you're going to be back in the same position you are. Yeah, right now next year when Chark's contract's up. You're not going to hit a St. Brown every year. <laughs> think, you would think. Although that'd be pretty impressive. That would be pretty impressive. <laughs> okay, two quick ones to wrap this up. Frank Thinks asks, is taking Jordan Davis at number two a possibility? Oh, I wish it was just because that guy seems like a whole heck of a lot fun to watch. But I don't, I don't, I think two is way too rich for him. You know, there, there are a lot of questions about his game. He didn't play many snaps last year. He is ultra raw as a pass rusher. I know we're talking nose tackle interior defender here, but you're going to need a little something like that to take somebody that high. I do think he's a top 10 talent. I plan on having him in my top 10 on the, in my, in my last mock, but I don't see it happening at two. And I don't, I don't see him breaking the top five either. I think he's a perfect get for one of those teams picking twice in the first 15 picks to kind of bank something because they don't make human beings like that. They don't make athletes like that. There's something special there. And when he was on his game in that Georgia defense, he was a world breaker, a game changer, just a, he's a monster. He's a Marvel supervillain. Like it's unbelievable, I, I, but not at two. That's too rich. Couldn't have said it better myself. So I'm not going to try it. I, the last question, Mortgage W. Josh asks, are the Lions going to draft more for 2022? 2023. I guess I could take this one since you grabbed the last one. Well, 2023 and beyond. And there's always a marriage going on between immediate need and long-term health of the organization. There's a lot of dynamics at play when it comes to contracts and 
how you build your roster with regard to free agency versus draft. And unless you're a team like the Rams, you're typically not just going to go all in for the title this year without, you know, regard for what's going to happen to your long-term health. There's a give and take. That's what a good general manager does is he does his best to optimize his roster for the current while also like maintaining the health of the long-term, you know, of the long-term future of the organization. But with where the Lions are in a rebuild and in the year two of a rebuild and, and make no mistake, I think they're going to be a lot better next year. I think they're going to be around a 500 team next year. Mm-hmm. And in the NFC North, which is, it's seen a lot of turnover this year with coaches and general managers and, and, and whatnot. Like, I think that there's a really good chance the Lions can compete for a wild card spot next year. But until they get that quarterback and he's settled, they're, they're not going to be a real contender. Like, we're, look, we're really looking at 2023 and probably... 2024 for the Lions to really make noise. You know, you're always looking at this balance between short-term need and long-term health of a team. But I think for a team with the Lions, you're really siding more toward the long-term health of a team more than anything because in the short term, you're probably not going to do anything. Yeah. And that, I think, is reflected in the team's free agent approach. They're not going out there just buying a guy who might help them win one more game and then spending a crazy amount of money to do it because it doesn't really make sense when you're not competitive for another year or two. So 2023 and beyond, you know, I, I think is kind of what they're looking at when it comes to their draft approach. And we've already talked about it a lot, right, Ben, with the, with the quarterback thing, kind of where they're at, too. I think that's kind of the timeline timeline that they're on. No, yeah, couldn't say it better myself. I mean, seriously, it's just uh, you're building for the future with everything you do here. I mean, you see all those one-year deals. They're still getting a feel for the type of guys they like, who they like, cycling guys in and out on those short-term deals. But, yeah, it's just it's for 2023 and beyond, and it's like that's the way the roster's setting up. That's the way the quarterback situation up, and it's like – that's why the NFC North is setting up. Like, uh, think about the NFC North in 2024. I mean, that's like, there's a chance here. There's an absolute chance here. The timeline is lining up well for a chance at success. And I made that, that was one of my hot takes. Somebody asked me to make a hot take for the Lions. And I said, I think they could push nine and eight next season. Best case scenario. Then that, I mean, we're higher on them than most. I think eight wins, nine wins, pushing for a wild card spot absolutely in the discussion and yeah i mean what they draft for i mean that that doesn't change they're still going to be the same team they are in 2022 you know it's still building for the future there's just uh yeah like you said it's just marrying up those two timelines and figuring out the quarterback of the future situation we've only seen dan campbell coach with his back against the wall right i mean he went winless in their first 11 games last year yeah. definitely coached every game like he was severely undermanned what he was doing on fourth down and all that kind of stuff the aggression if you're right and i don't you know, I think it is possible they go nine and eight or something like that next year. It'll be really, really fascinating for me to see how Dan Campbell responds, like when he's not coaching from his ass in the corner. You know, like I mean, that's right. every game was like that, and then you go out there and you're o ten and one. So you're, I mean, it just changes the calculus of how you do everything. And then to see how he responded, which I think was pretty admirable. Like he really held up well in terms of the leadership and putting the team in the best positions possible for success and kept the locker room together and they really came together for a decent finish. I'm just curious to see how his coaching changes, how his his temperament changes, and I'm curious to see how the players respond to Dan Campbell when it's not, okay, we know we suck, but we love the coach and it's working and just give us time. Like, I'm curious to see what happens when they actually stumble into some success. Mm. Then to see how players respond to Dan Campbell and how he coaches. I, you know, to me, there's just so many unknowns about that guy. 
Hey, you were talking about nine and eight and stuff, and I'm like, man, I can't even imagine Dan Campbell not having his ass against the wall, like backed into a corner. Like it's gonna be really interesting to see uh, to see what happens. Right? Is he gonna be going for fourth downs, faking punts, outside kicks, all that stuff yeah. when they're in 17, yeah. 13 games late in the fourth quarter or something like that? I mean, I geez. think aggression. I think aggression is in his nature. Yeah. We heard it from him. Yeah, early in the year, I think he heightened it because of where they were as a team. I think we're still. I think we're still gonna see quite a bit of that stuff. I do too. I do too. I think I, he'll find that perfect balance, but I just think the two coaches, like, I, I just think when I think Dan Campbell coaches the way he wished the coaches coached that when he was playing for. <laughs> oh, I love that. I totally agree about that way. Okay. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. We will be back. Uh, we'll be off next week. Uh, we'll be back the week of the draft for a pre-draft podcast. And then of course, a lot of content coming out of the draft itself. It's been real. Good stuff. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.